0: This is the Aley Rouge podcast
1: on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the view from the terraces at Liverpool FC. Hello and welcome to an episode of Ali La Rouge. Now I'm standing in; it's not Peter Hooton's dulcet tones you can hear. It. It's me, Neil Fitz, standing in for Peter. But uh, we have three great guests who are going to discuss everything connected with Liverpool Football Club, including something that might have happened on Sunday. I can't remember now. Um, Ella Hooten is here, Peter's daughter. How are you, El?
2: I'm good, thank you. How are you?
1: I'm all right, thanks. Your had a busy day.
2: Yeah, he's away at the moment, so I'm stand- We're standing in for him, aren't we?
1: <laughs> More than enough, aren't we? Uh, yeah. Kaylee Brand is here as well. Hi, Kaylee. How are you? Hello. I'm good
0: as well. Good
1: after Excellent. Sunday. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Edward Kay is here as well. Ed, how are you?
3: Yeah, good. Uh, as Kaylee says, all, all good after Sunday. It's all smiles, isn't it?
1: <laughs> it's all smiles. Well, let's get cracking with that. I mean, thank you first of all for downloading this podcast and all your other podcasts as well. Uh, poetry emotion and all the podcasts on the uh, blood red umbrella uh this is ale La rouge of course um sunday so i'll just before we get kicking off i was driving home on sunday before the, the the kickoff and all the media all the conversations were talking about this you know this launch day for for newcastle united liverpool versus newcastle was seem to be this is the day that we're going to see how good newcastle is and then march towards the uh, the title and it was i was so wound up when i got the car before that kickoff um it just seemed like everyone had written Liverpool off before the before the kickoff, Ella, hadn't it? And because, because they're now this super rich club, Newcastle, they seem to be the only ones destined to take the crown from Man City. Like we haven't been trying to do it for ages, and did it once. So all the hype must have really wound everyone up. How were you feeling before kickoff?
2: Yeah, I thought it was gonna be a pretty even game. To be honest, I wasn't like I was seeing like like yourself, Newcastle were like heavy, heavy favourites and stuff. I was just thinking. Like they haven't really recruited that many players this season so far, and I just I feel like we've bought well with our couple of signings. Um, so I I didn't understand that really with with them being favourites so much. So when I was like going into the game, I was fairly confident that we'll get a result there. Obviously, St James's Park isn't not an easy place to go, but I was confident in myself in the team that we can that we could go there and get something.
1: And Ed, what about you? Because I mean, obviously Newcastle known for, the, for being quite a pacey side as well, aren't they? And then you know you've got Anthony Gordon's been added to them, and he's got a, a lot of pace on the wings, a lot of pace through the middle as well. Obviously Liverpool testing out, well not testing out, but sort of you know uh, new signings in um, Zlatan and of course McAllister. So it was going to be a tricky day, wasn't it? We all felt like that as Liverpool fans. It was going to be a tricky day. It was going to be a tough game. We knew it wasn't going to be an easy game. But um, how were you feeling before the kickoff, and uh, were you confident in the Liverpool victory? I know the whole thing went bananas very quickly, but how were you feeling before that? Did you think that we had, we had enough to cope with uh, with Newcastle? Well,
3: you, you touched on the pace there. I have to say, Anthony Gordon and uh, Isak as well. I think Isak's quality. I, I think they had me worried going into the game. Obviously, knowing that Kanate probably almost certainly wasn't going to going to play, and it was probably going to be Matip. Who looked so leggy in preseason? Obviously, it wasn't a full fitness then. I, I was pretty worried going into it, to be honest. And I mean, like the first five minutes, everything that went on with Trent. I'm sure we'll get into that later. I mean, just it didn't really help my nerves. So yeah, go, going into it, I I, th- I think mentally I'd sort of prepare myself for you know if you come away from St James's Park with with a point, like it's not the end of the world. If you come, come away from Stamford Bridge and St James's Park with with, with two points from you know, you're opening few games. It's not the end of the world, and obviously, it ended up getting a win, so it was a it was a pretty good day.
1: Yeah, and Kaylee, I mean, you know, the start of the game, the first couple of minutes, in, I mean, the first, we'll talk about the refereeing and in general the refereeing in the Premiership so far, because I think it's it's been the worst I've ever seen. But that it was John Brooks refereeing it, and um, the first couple of minutes, Trent gets a, a, a ridiculous yellow card on the back of what was a push in the back, clearly, um, as he's sliding away. Uh, pushes, the, throws the ball back onto the pitch, yellow cards, which immediately the first, you know, you're in the first four or five minutes of a match, you give, you know, one of the defenders a yellow card. Um, and then he goes on, and then a couple of minutes later, obviously, with the, with the Anthony Gordon, I mean, you know, he's known for his diving, isn't he? let to be honest with you. He made the most of it, but that could have been a player down, a player out before uh, Van Zyker got dismissed. I mean, a referee, and we'll, we'll go back onto the game, but the, the referee in the first half by John Brooks was was some sort of the worst referee I've ever seen, and it, are we just are we just biased Liverpool fans or was that? It just seems to me that, that, that Joe Linton was running around elbowing people and everything. There was nothing happening was it? So the first first half, certainly, but the first 10 or 50 minutes of the first half, it was watching through your fingers time, wasn't it?
0: Well, I was waiting on Joe Linton to get booked, so I'm even angrier of the fact that he didn't <laughs> get booked. Um, no, but I'm glad you asked me this because I get so frustrated about it because they're so important to the game. And for me, he... Change that entire game within the first couple of minutes because, for me, you know, like we talked about before, with everything that was going on before the game, it's you know Newcastle's time to shine and Liverpool are going to drop off and all the rest of it. That's St James's Park. St James's Park is known for being this big rowdy place with all these geordies in. You know, it's going to be a good atmosphere. Crowd are going to be up for it. They're going to be on the back for every tackle. And then in the first one, to me, that's a yellow card to Anthony Gordon. It's as simple as that. Like. Everyone says, don't do, you're playing these big games, Lead your mark on the first tackle. Now, he's gone and done that, got away with it. Not only that, then this new rule, whatever people think about it, but you throw the ball away and then Trent gets booked. So then everyone's laughing at him, the crowd are all on his back. And then he's frustrated because he knows that he's been fouled. Then he knows that he's got to go the entire game up against Andy Gordon running at him, which is going to make you think, oh, now, you know, it's second guessing everything that you're going to do couple of minutes later, he goes, you know, shoves him slightly, if you like. But, you know, and arguably, you know, he could have been sent off. I personally think the only reason he didn't send him off send him off, was because he knew the first one wasn't a foul. But then that changes the whole game. And then I think that, to me, I think it got into Trent's head then. So then... I mean, I've never seen Sen do that in my life, where the ball just runs under his foot. So to me, I think it was in his head. He's frustrated. He's thinking about all these different things. The ball comes to him, it runs under his foot, and they go ahead and score. Then I also think on top of that, then you're frustrated the whole team then. And then is that why maybe Van Dijk, you know, maybe did make that challenge, which he, you know, could have potentially done better at. But he, the referee, by making that, and, it, you know, we wouldn't mind if it was 50-50 or whatever. It was a blatant foul on Trent Alexander-Arnold, as simple as that. And he changed that whole game because he made an incompetent decision so early on. And it's they, they cannot get away with it any longer. We're, we're talking we're three games into the, this, the season and you've had a howler at Man United. You've had a howler with McAllister getting sent off. We were talking before. We can't remember what the other one was. There was another howler in another game. And then another howler in our game with, with Trent. So it's so important to the game. And... They've, there's got to be accountability something has got to change with the referees because they're so important to the game and they're changing and ruining so many of the games to me and it's you know it it, it can't carry on
1: it's consistency isn't it i think one of the other ones i can think of is the rashford penalty which was yeah. another howler as well i mean you're talking about referees who after the united game i think john brooks was part of it they were dropped and then we had the McAllister situation where you've got you know paul Taney is vr and Decision backing it up that the FA are completely dropping. Ellen, I think it's just this consistency thing, isn't it? Because
2: mm.
1: as Kaylee said, you know, you're waiting for Joe. Linton. Joe linton was just running around bullying everyone, or trying to anyway. When he wanted, when he wasn't rolling over, Cramp doesn't get a, nowhere near a yellow card. You've got Liverpool players down. Mm. I mean, Trent's under the spotlight anyway at the moment, isn't he? A lot of Liverpool yeah. players are. We've raised the bar, and as fans, we expect a certain thing from Liverpool, and uh, uh, rightly or wrongly, uh, there's a lot of speculation over where Trent's supposed to be playing. I mean, for a young lad's young shoulders, he's got a lot on his mind. I need to get yellow carded straight away like that. You can see when that ball went under his leg that it, that, that he just he just wasn't at it at the time. But it's just a consistency, Elliot, isn't yeah. it? It's like, if you're going to do that, you know, Joe Linton, uh, Anthony Gordon, both threw a ball away after a decision. Yeah. didn't, get, didn't but- get, It's just that as a fan, you want the consistency, don't you?
2: It's every week. Now, like every week, there's something else. There's coming out with apologies, saying, oh, sorry, and then the refs being taken out the games. And obviously an example from last season is Robertson getting elbowed by the linesman, and it was just like an investigation got happened and nothing happened after it. Like, it was literally an apology and that was it. He didn't get any punishments. But if that was Andy Robertson elbowing the linesman, like Mitrovic got banned for eight games for pushing a referee. Obviously, if Andy Robertson's done, that's the last one. Andy Robertson's getting banned for eight games. So what I don't understand is where's the consistency in it all? Like they're so protected, and it actually yeah, annoys so me. Difficult. Like, or every game, like the the protected. even by like having Mike Dean on the on the on the telly and having refs speaking about it, like they're protecting their mates, and and he come out saying something about last year where... um he didn't send um, Anthony Taylor to the monitor because he's his mate. Like, what? when does... And then he's had to come back out and say, oh, I didn't mean it like mate. I, said, I meant colleague. Like, no, you meant it. You didn't want to send your mate to the monitor because he's your mate and you didn't want to make his guy even worse because he was having a harlot of a game. Um. But yeah, so what What I think is, you know that the refs are bad in this league because they don't get hardly any European games. Like, when, when we're playing in Europe, I already like you're already the refs are like half all right, aren't they? Like, there's not many decisions that like you like every week in the Premier League, there's a decision that in one game that goes against a team, and there's always an apology coming out. But that's why th- these refs don't get picked for European games. I think Anthony Taylor and and uh, Michael Oliver, the only ones that ever get picked. They don't get picked for big finals or anything like that. Something needs to change. Every week I'm I'm sick of like moaning about it. And people say, oh, it's just because Liverpool, this and that. No, it's every every team are, are getting it, and like people are coming out to speak about it now. But it's it's actually making me angry. <laughs> Cause like what? I'm just sick of going on about it because like every week there's the, there's new refs, like, and you think. Oh, it's a, it's always Paul Tini as well. What happened with Klopp and he questions his integrity last year, and ever since then we haven't had. Well, I think we were getting decisions before that, but it's gone even worse since that happened with Paul Tini, 100%. percent
0: Le rouge
2: on the blood red channel.
1: Yeah, I definitely think it's an accountability thing, Ed, isn't it? Because, like uh, Ellis just said, there just doesn't seem to be any accountability. And I, I I, can't tell you how many times I don't tweet anymore, pretty much, or X, whatever you call it now. Um, <laughs> because you end up, you know, you put a tweet, you put a, a message out, and then, you know, four days later, half four in the morning, some plonkers come on bevied and started to give you a stick, you know what I mean? So uh, the amount of times I was going to go, this ref, this ref, but you know, you're going to get back a load of arse, ah, up, Tony, because you're a red. But there were moments there, Ed. I mean, I was watching it with my kids, and there are moments where kids are kicking off all the time, oh, but there was a moment where I thought this—it's hard to defend what he's doing. If you surely neutrals can see it, that he's just letting stuff go. And Ellis just made the point there of of Klopp, you know, um, questioning the integrity of Tierney. Tierney was was VAR with the guy who elbowed Robertson in the in the in the Bournemouth game, and there just doesn't seem to be any accountability, does it? And you're looking at it. we'll go on to how it changed the game. And I, I think it's probably galvanised this Liverpool side in a way that we couldn't hope for anymore, really. But it's just up until that point, that could have gone any way. And, uh, and that's before the, the decision on Van Dijk, which for me is a yellow card all day. It's, it's never a straight red, as yeah. Katie said, in a big game that the, 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 the just ruins the balance and, and the momentum. Where's the accountability at?
3: Yeah, it's the. I think it's the fact that they're just so infallible is is one of the things that winds people up so much because, you know, you might not tweet anymore. I'm sure a few of us do, and we can complain as much as as much as we want, and and nothing nothing's going to change. You know, VAR VAR has come in, and ha- has it really changed anything? All it's done in, in my view is shine a bigger microscope on just how poor the referees are because they've they've got all the replays. And they're still getting like just bla- just easy decisions wrong. I mean, you know, obviously it's not a VAR issue, the, the Trent Alexander Arnold thing, but how that isn't a free kick in the first place. He's right there, he gets a shoulder barge right in the back, and then throws the ball three metres away, back on t- onto the pitch, really, barely even away, and gets a yellow card in like the third minute. And then, which is I mean, that, that that's the wrong decision from the referee. He then probably should get a second yellow card really if, if he's not got the first one that he's getting a yellow card for what he does to Gordon uh, so, so he, he's then got that decision wrong but I've got no sympathy for him because the reason he's got that decision wrong is he's painted himself into a corner with the first bad decision and now he's like I can't send him off after five minutes when the first yellow card was so dubious and this one's a bit dubious so he ends up getting both decisions wrong and and, and and nothing's going to happen for it i mean the the van Dyke one i think i think it's 50-50 i, I think I, I think that one all depends on do you think isak is is like is that a clear goal scoring opportunity and i, I can see that one both ways I, I, and i think that's one where once he's given it it's not going to get overturned had it had he given a yellow card i don't i don't think they would have sent him to the monitor because that, that's just the way it goes but yeah that i think the the frustration just comes from the fact that, that Nothing changes. I mean, Van Dyke like now looks like he's going to get another game, doesn't it? For just, I mean, just for saying what everyone thinks about the referees, really. And it's just because he's been caught on camera doing it. But yeah, it's it's just frustrating. And as everyone says, it, it's every weekend now, isn't it?
0: Yeah. And I also, wanted, to, okay. no, I just wanted to make a point of like, it's all well and good, like talking about it, isn't it? But then is there is there answers to the question of like, well, what do we do about it? And we were talking before, weren't we? And we were like, you know, would it help if the come out and after the game and you know have to explain it's like that you know the managers have to do it don't get the players well why did you make this decision what did you think about that what can't they I mean they, they won't because it'll make them even worse but you know would that not help come out and explain your decision like explain what you've what you've seen why did you make that decision and you know half the time I think you know if somebody just went you know I've made a mistake then okay but there's nothing it's just, you, you make a highlight, you know, you impact the game so much. And then we leave it, it's like we were watching the Women's World Cup and on the big decisions, when they went were sent over to the screen, they then had a mic that went round the stadium and they had to explain to the crowd why they'd made that decision. Now, whether that would make a difference or not, but at least it's something, you know, it, there's something more that, you know, needs to happen where i just think they get away with it and like we said but they're so protected like is there something else that we can do there's got to be an answer to 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 reform the way the way it's run
1: yeah, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right in the World Cup and also as well other sports. I mean, rugby has been doing yeah. it for years, it just gives that extra responsibility to a referee where they have to explain themselves in the moment. Uh, and But what, what gets me as well is the media don't pick up on any, there doesn't seem to be any scrutiny by the media. You've got match of the day of the night. You know, you can see the Van Dyke, whether you think it's a yellow or a red. I mean, first of all, that move in slow motion is, is standing on Van Dyke's foot. Um. So, But no one met, No one's mentioned that. And now you're seeing that in slow motion with the VAR. So why aren't you seeing that and taking that into account of the fact that Van Dijk's next move is to sweep across the ball, go through the ball and through the player? So it's the accountability, I think, as well, Kayleigh, isn't it? And the fact that, you know, the media have a responsibility as well to start saying, well, hang on a minute, this, this surely this is a mistake. And yet it all just seems to be brushed under the carpet. And by match of the day, you've got Alan Shearer just talking about all the things that Liverpool did wrong.
2: But yeah. these are the same refs that watched... The McAllister challenge a couple of times on VAR and decided, yeah, that's still a red card. And then come out a couple of days later, oh, we've overturned it. Like, I just don't understand that. But this is
0: what I mean. This is why I think they need to, there needs to be more accountability. There needs to be more pressure on them to get, like, we I always say, if, if I made the mistakes that they make in my job, I'd be sacked or I'd be under review or I'd, there'd be something that would happen. But these get maybe. Oh, we'll take you off the game for a couple of weeks, and then they get put straight back in. And then a couple of weeks down the line, they're making the same mistakes. Like, if they had to come out, you know, when they make those VAR decisions, like the Van, you know, the Van Dyke one. I I agree with you, Neil. Like to me, his movement is towards the ball. It's not like he's gone to trip him or he's gone to push him over. His whole motion is he would have got that but I mean, he did get the ball, didn't he? Yeah. So yeah. it's not. He's not tried to foul him. He's tried to win the ball yet. Okay, he's gone through him, but he's gone through him because his foot's landed where it has. So why can't they come out? I just and this is why I think we need to speak about it. There needs to be, like you said, there's no coverage about it. There needs to be more that's happening because they're ruining the game. Come out and explain after you've made that decision why you've made that decision. And then then people would review it and then they'd go, what, What's he talking about? That doesn't make that makes no sense. We can't have somebody like who has those. That's what your thought process is in charge of the game. Yeah, it's just you know,
1: silly, sorry, the, you know, it's silly little things. As well, you can go on for this. I mean, the is a Jason, whatever his name is, the, the second to um, Eddie Howe God he's yeah.
2: standing,
1: standing in the zone where they're just not allowed to be. Mm-hmm. And it's just little windy things we go sit yeah. down, in the bunker, you know, and it's just little windy things like that that just they're just annoy. And it's like, well, why are you setting up rules and just not backing them up?
2: Yeah, and they brought him um, Howard Webb, didn't they? On Monday Night Football, I think it was a few months ago. I think it was the end of last season. I can't remember when it was actually. And um, he literally was showing like decisions that he let us listen to the audio between the ref and the VAR. But every game that he showed was decisions that make the referee really look good. Like, there were so how many decisions that season were bad didn't show any of them and everyone was tweeting going like it, it just makes the referees look good they're never ever gonna take accountability because like you said no one in the media will come out and say do you know what this is an absolute disgrace every week it's happening now but um yeah it just something needs to change like Kaylee said something needs to be brought in where the questions after the game or I don't know something different because it's just going to carry on isn't it until something changes
1: doesn't seem to, I don't think it's going to change at all. All right, well, l- listen, let's just go on to the game then, because at that point, Ed, we are, we are, um, a goal down after 25 minutes, And man down. Now, bear in mind as well, putting into the mix the fact that you've got McCarthy and there's uh, Robbers who are, who are still trying to bet their way into this team. You've got Joel Matip who hasn't, who, who makes his first appearance, um, and in a huge game like that. And then Virgil van Dijk gets sent off at that point, um, we can all be forgiven for thinking this is probably going to be one of those days, um, but in reverse, in the complete opposite of what it ended up being. So, a massive, massive strength of character from Liverpool, wasn't it, to to, to, to sort of hunker down and and, and get that result. But we'll, obviously, we'll get on to result. But the way they started playing after that, um just frustrated Newcastle and showed massive character, mate.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I have to admit when we went a man down, I. Uh... I was pretty worried to be honest uh, I thought we were gonna gonna be on the end of a bit of a hiding but uh, I mean when I, when almiron hits that volley in the box and Allison makes that save if that goes two 0 I think we'd probably lose f- four maybe five we might we might have got one goal back but I think we'd really got hammered which is just I mean another example of the benefits of having the best goalkeeper in the world by a country mile playing for you I mean it's just an unbelievable save at one nil to keep us in it. And, yeah, I mean, that was sort of a springboard, really, from there. I mean, so you mentioned Sobersly. He did the running of, of, of two men. So it was basically like we had 11 anyway. He's, his engine, I mean, we, we heard all the reports about um, at the start of pre-season that he'd, he'd basically won all the lactate tests, things like that. Everyone was really impressed with his fitness. But, I mean, he's really shown it those couple of games when we've gone down to 10 men. I mean, his engine's just unbelievable. And, yeah, Liverpool just you can just never really write them off, can you? And everyone was saying on commentary, and I, I would imagine everybody was was thinking the exact same thing. You know, if, if Liverpool can get to 70, 75 minutes and it's still 1-0 and they're in the game, with the amount of firepower they've got, what they've got on the bench, what who they can bring off the bench, you know, they're always going to be in the game. And as it happens, it was Darwin Nunes. But before that, I mean, Jota and Elliot both came on, off the bench. I thought Elliot was really good off the bench. You know, he gets a lot of criticism, but... I, th- I think he's such a useful player for Liverpool and he's probably not going to see as many minutes as he did, well, certainly at the start of last season when he started out as many games in a row. But he was really good off the bench. Jota was good off the bench. And then, obviously, Nunes came off the bench and, and did what he did. But, yeah, it was just, just such a, a memorable performance and a, and a memorable win all, all round, really, wasn't it?
2: Ale Rouge on the Blood Red Channel.
1: Yeah, well, Kayleigh, Ed makes a good point there. Do you, I mean, that save by Allison, you know, it, it was a double-handed save. If you look at it again, he hits it from... It comes off one hand to the other. And then he's even got the, the, the presence of mind to try and get it onto the bar and over. I mean, it, if there's a better save this season, then I'll be very, very surprised because that was... And do you think that, as Ed just said, do you think maybe that was the moment where... where, where I know they were galvanising anyway, but because we've lost Henderson, because we've lost Milner, because we've lost those players... Who who had the ability on the pitch to draw everyone together, uh, and we we don't really have that experience now. Particularly with Van Dyke off the pitch, I know Robbo was still there. But do you think that's the moment, Kaylee, when Liverpool thought this isn't going your way? We're not we're going to make sure this doesn't go your way because that that would bring anyone together to save like that, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah, he. We will never see a better goalkeeper in all our lifetime. He is. We talk about him so much. He's even better than what we talk about. He is unbelievable. He's good with his feet. He's good with his sick Everything He's just perfect. Like, when we met, we seen him at the kit launch, didn't we? And I was like, I love you. Like, you are just the greatest man in the world. Like, he's so, so good. And, you know, you talk about, don't you, players, like, leading on the pitch? You know, like, I remember Carragher and Gerard used to always say, like, Carragher was the mouth where he was all like that. But Gerrard led by example on the pitch. And, you know, it, that's an example of, of Allison doing exactly that, isn't it? It's like you look at him and you think, I read something, I think he's made like 15 saves already or something like something ridiculous. And you look at him behind you and you think, you always think you've got a chance when you've got him behind you because he pulls out these saves that you just think, how has he done that? Um, but I, I I agree. I think if that would have went in, that would have changed the whole game. So I think it was so key that he saved that and he put it out that we then went in at half-time, only one nil down, to come back out and go, you know, we, we can have a go with this. But, I, again, I agree. I think, I don't even know how you say his name, but Slobber Sly, when I seen that number eight run into the box and I was like, oh, my God, we've got a player. Like, my number eight is doing box-to-box sprints. Like, what a dream. Like, I think, you know, like you said, we, we've played, what, one-and-a-half games now with 10 men and it doesn't feel like that when we're playing 90 minutes, when we do finally get through a game, 90 minutes with 11 players and you can see what he does, like I'm excited to watch him play because I think he's unbelievable. And I also agree that the subs that we made did change the game, give you that bit of thing. We got in so much after we made those subs and I was sitting there and, you know, everyone says, oh, getting a point, Newcastle and Chelsea is is good. But I'm sitting there going, where's that mentality from a couple of years ago where, no, you want to win the league, they're the games that you've got to win. And, like, why not? But they're only one nil up. We're getting a few chances we went through. Darwin knew if he would have made a better touch in the first couple of minutes when he come on. Salah got in as well, didn't he? And I was like, no, like, let's go for it. Let, let, let's go for it. And I think then once we got that first one, then we did do it, didn't we? We were like, no, we, we've got them here. We can – they're on the back foot. And, yeah, I just think it's hopefully, you know, going to give us that bit of a – bit of a boost now going into obviously the next couple of games because you know everyone was like everyone was made up weren't you seeing the crowd you're seeing everybody all over twitter and yeah i do i just think it was one of those performances where you just go do you know what we've we've had everything thrown at us there and we've come away and it's it's a, it's a performance that you're proud of and yeah no, I know i was made up
1: i think i think well hopefully we'll look back at that performance and that result and, and and look back and know that was the the moment that this this team really believed in itself again because Ella. We, I mean, Kaylee just mentioned it. We we were lucky enough to be at the kit launch uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we saw Zolobisla, who is, by the way, a unit. He's a big old boy, and he. I mean, for someone so fast, so agile, and, and and so strong, he is a big lad. But we also saw Allison come out, and then in him you've got a really humble. He speaks so eloquently, um, and and we saw that when his when his father passed away, and he and he talked about how how people supported him and. When he talks, you listen, and we watched him. He went out and with his guitar and was uh, and was playing a la la la. You just feel, don't you, none of the... we're lucky that the the when 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 players get Liverpool and Liverpool yeah. get players, it's a bond that is very very hard to break. And and, and you feel that Allison, don't you? He's one of a few, definitely in this club. But you feel that Allison certainly that he would absolutely march till his last breath for this club. And and we saw it there on Sunday, didn't we? And and, and he's an incredible leader, an incredibly humble guy and boy what a goalkeeper
2: yeah I love him I I am um, at the kit launch I had to tell him I just sent him, went to him you're the best goalkeeper ever I'm cringing at myself now and he just smiles, and, and I was just like oh um but yeah he's like honestly I can't even explain him me and Kaylee just love him don't we but um every game that we play in a team will get a chance and he like always seems to just save us doesn't he um there's always a moment in the game but I, like Kaylee said before about we've had 15 i think um he's had to make 15 saves already in three games which is quite worrying in the defensive part of the game but obviously having Allison there it's just like it's just like a brick wall isn't it like he's just so reliable in these one-on-one situations we've just got a, like we've got a chance all the time but and Soboslai as well um yeah he's he's great isn't he just so, so energetic and i've just like the, the new midfield is is working well together i think we just need just need a few more bodies in, and then because i always say like i don't feel like we're that far off to be honest it's always with a few players short but um we're the only team i personally i've watched a lot of the games i've watched mostly every game not every game i'm lying but i've mo- watched most games the start of the season, most um, top six teams. And I can't really see Arsenal don't look great. They struggled against Forest. Um, and United look, I can't even, like, they look poor. Like, they look absolutely poor. They should have been beaten by Wolves. If Wolves had, had a goal scorer, they, they would have lost that game. Um, they got beat by Tottenham. Newcastle, they do look, uh, they've done well against Aston Villa, obviously lost against us in City, but. The only teams that are looking good at the moment is obviously Man City. But even that, they struggled against um, Sheffield United. So if we just like, we're not that far off. So if we, the last couple of days of the transfer window, if we just get it right and maybe bring a few more bodies in, we're not that far away. I don't think our, our squad personally, and we've got the, one of the best managers in the world. It's just the time to, we could win something this year. We could win a few trophies. We just need to get it right off the pitch as well.
1: Well, as we speak, we are not far from the transfer window closing. We'll go on to transfers in a bit. But Ed, just going back to the game there. Um, I think Klopp for me is one of the best half-time managers I've ever seen. I mean, I think you get in at half-time, you're often more often than not, now you see him sprinting off down the tunnel because he's got things to set up, powerpoint and all that. No, um, or something to throw. But um, we get to we get to half time there and 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 you just feel like you've got half a chance, haven't you? When he when he gives a talk, there seems to be a a, a different approach in the pool. I mean, I, we've mentioned Allison saves. He made seven. It's the most he's made in in, in, a, in a single game, apparently. But apart from that, we must highlight the fact as well that you know Gomez came on when he probably wasn't expecting to get a game for Diaz. We, we must say that that uh, you know Matip uh, and Gomez and then Quansai a bit later on in the game um, did well because second half there, apart from the Almiron uh, run that hit the post and the Almiron lifting his leg and knocking it over the bar kind of kept them down we kept them snubbed a little bit, didn't we? And then it was the perfect time to do a counter. So it was a it was a fantastic second half performance, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, I I think his ability to sort of impact a game after it's actually started, you know, and before the final whistle is it is it's unparalleled. I mean, you, you say half time manager obviously that that's a big part of it, but the substitutions he makes as well. There's just I've always got so much faith that if Liverpool go into a game and they're, they're one or maybe two, it depends on the game, down at half-time, you know, there's just so much faith that Klopp's built up over the years now that he, he is going to what's whatever's been going wrong in the first half, and and if he doesn't like what he sees when he sends them back out there for the second half, then he's not going to be afraid to to change it. And more often than not, when he, when he does change things, it's... It's, it's to the better uh, uh, and it's very positive for for the team i mean the the amount of games it's just countless where he's he, like you say we've gone in at, at half time maybe he's not like what he's seen he's been able to sort of put a rocket up everyone's backsides and get him going again and, and and like i say, if, if he hasn't liked what he's seen then he's 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 changed it and and more often than not the substitutes will will go on to contribute and change the game as Nunes did as, as Jota did as as Harvey Elliott did it in, in that game against Newcastle.
2: Rouge on the Blood Red Channel.
1: Absolutely. You could also, Kaylee, couldn't you probably throw in a little bit of Eddie Howe, Pomposity there, didn't he? Because his changes um by contrast were poor, weren't he? It looked like a game they had one 0 Yeah, they're not going anywhere. Um, they're gonna spend the rest of this game trying to keep us out. We'll just take off um you know huge players for us and then and then sort of left the gate open a little bit but we've got to mention ed did mention before uh harvey elliott he's been coming on and, and he's really been pressing and he? he's been like a little terrier um and doing it uh, really really well uh certainly provided his block provided the the second goal the winning goal but it was between him and Jota. uh he, it's almost like he's better going in more central isn't he than than, than on the wing because he t- kind of disrupts that flow between. Between Trent and Salah, and and when he's been coming on and, and darting up the middle, he's he's been more effective.
0: Yeah, no, I agree, and I think it's not remember when we spoke about it, but you remember know, before he got injured, um, I remember always saying about like the um, the combination play that he had with Salah. Like it was, it was brilliant. I think in the first couple of games, he had like they were the most um, they had the most combinations in like the whole league or somewhere around that. And like you said, if you if you put him in the middle. And he can still do that with Salah. He's got that with Trent. and then Trent and Salah's still got their thing in. But no, I agree. Like he's come on. And he, the one thing I always think with, with Elliot is that he'll he'll he, he tries, doesn't he? I know that sounds ridiculous, but he just he'll just run and run and run and run. And like you said, he's only little, isn't he? He's like a little terrier. But yeah, I think we spoke about it a couple of times where he's a player where you want him to come off the bench. Do you know what I, I personally don't think he should be starting for us. But as a player coming off the bench, I don't mind it at all. And I think when he's come off the bench this season, I'm like, no, yeah. Like, you know, you feel like he's made an impact. I'm, I'm made up for him because I just think I do think he loves Liverpool and I do think he'd do anything for us. Um, but I just think he's still young and it's a lot of pressure to be starting games for us, especially starting games for us after the year we've just had and all the troubles with the midfield last year, so him coming on for the last 20 minutes and coming on in that little central role where he can get about everywhere. I, I do I think I think he's been brilliant when he's come on and like I said before I think the, the changes that we made on Sunday absolutely blew them out the water. And I mean, you know, okay, a lot of people say don't do you play against 10 men and it's it's sometimes difficult as stupid as it sounds to play against 10. But then that's when it comes down to your manager and the changes that Eddie Howe made. If anything, they fell into our hands because it, it made it easier for us. It opened them up and I think our changes were were brilliant and made up for, for Nunes as well because I think he gets a bit of stick and, you know, for them to come on and finish, finish the game off the way he did. Um, hopefully, it'll give him a bit of confidence going into the next few games because I think if he starts putting them chances away, you'd hate to play against them, wouldn't you? You'd absolutely hate to play against them.
1: Let's talk about the one known in our house as the Rottweiler because he's just... You know, his first season at Benfica, he struggled. Second season, he blew it out the water. There's just something lovable about him. Liverpool fans... I mean, one of the things I love about Liverpool fans is they don't give stick-out unless you... If you're a player, you play for Liverpool or you play for Liverpool, if you get stick-off Liverpool fans, you've done something to wear in that stick. They don't do it. They don't give stick-out. They they, they respect people. They, They clap former Reds onto the pitch it's you know if you've done a Sterling and said you want to leave to win trophies and all that well or Michael Owen then you know good luck to you mate because if you disrespect the club the thing about Nunez is, is Ella from the moment he got here it was just like they picked him up in Crocky Park or something didn't it there was just something about him that you just thought he gets this club he gets he gets the, the excitement of it he gets the honour of playing for them and we all willed him last season didn't we and he made he made, yeah. he made that's not that bad he missed a lot of chances but boy oh boy I mean that first goal is is remarkable in every level because he beats a the keeper there who was a who is a very, very good keeper. He hits it with the outside of his boot and yeah. it bends, it bends away from the keeper and into the bottom corner from that angle. I mean it's just a phenomenal finish isn't it. The second one as well. But we're all just hoping that this is a springboard. This could be a springboard for a couldn't it? And give him the confidence. Yeah. And then the galvanizing him with Allison and stuff, he just loved every second of it. To hang on with 10 men is something to win the game with 10 men is extraordinary. And he made a massive difference, didn't
2: he? Yeah, I just feel like he needs a run of games now, just to be give to prove himself. Like obviously, last season we seen him being like very raw. I'd explain him as raw, like missing a lot of chances. But this season, I watched him in pre-season as well. He just looks much more clinical. I've i I, I think, he, and the two goals that he scored the other day, they, I think if Nunes was going through one goal last season and he had them two chances, you'd think, oh, he's missing that. Like, something about him this season, I know he not played too much, but watching him in preseason myself and the, the, them goals he scored, I just think now is the t- time to give him a little run of games and see how, because th- that could give him massive confidence the other day. And I was actually listening to a podcast, um, I think it was Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, and they were saying... They expect what well, Gary Lineker was saying he expects him to challenge for the Golden Boot, which is obviously he's a proven goalscorer. He knows that he's got something there, like these players, and everyone knows he's got something. He just needs to just needs to play now and just needs to finish the chances when he's playing. But um he's obviously very raw, and like he said, in um, Benfica he had a similar season. The first season he was missing a lot of chances, and then the second season he exploded. So I feel like if we just give him them runner games, that he everyone believes that he can do it. He's got all the attributes, he's strong, he's fast, he's got everything. He just needs them runner games just to just to do it. And I hope to God that he he comes in clutch. Because I just I just we know he's got he's there's a player in there, we just need to see it more.
1: Yeah, and he's got to surely Ed, he's got to event to start against Villain, because if you've got someone that high after that game and that excited yeah. and that confidence. You're not gonna surely. You're not gonna bench him against Villa, are you? Because because that that would be such a backward step. You you need to let him go. If he goes against Villa, and doesn't do not. You can always hike him, but you can't surely not play him along to you, uh, with with Diaz and Nunes now that he's in. That hasn't he surely?
3: Yeah, I think all the stars have aligned for him really. Because I mean, Gakpo, I feel really bad for because obviously he's had to sort of start in the in that eight position where obviously Klopp is insistent that he can play there, but it's not his favorite position and. Then he gets stuck up front in the last game, Didn't wasn't really too great and ended up being subbed off. So I, I think it's got to be Nunes, really. I mean, I, what's the point of having five realistic first-team, top-quality attacking options if you're not going to play the ones that are in form when they're in form? And, I mean, after that, he's obviously going to have a, a spring in his step. There's going to be a bounce behind him. And I, th- I think if, if, if he's not starting against Villa, he, he's going to be thinking, well, what, what more can I do, really? I mean, there's not much more we could have asked for him in, in that cameo that he had. He, he's, he's given everyone a, a memorable moment. He's given Jurgen Klopp a memorable, memorable moment, and he's made him look quality bringing him off the bench. He's made him look like a genius. So yeah, I'd be very very surprised and a little bit disappointed if if we didn't see him start again against Villa on Sunday.
2: Rouge on the Blood Red Channel.
1: Yeah, and Kaylee, you know, we saw the importance. There's a lot of transfer nonsense that comes on at these windows. A lot of them are usually agents leaking out stories to try and get wages up. That tends to be how it happens. But, of course, we can't help but bite as Liverpool fans every time you reload your your updates. And it's, who are we going for now? Um, Obviously, Gravenberg is still something that, as we are doing this podcast, hasn't been officially announced yet but it's something that looks like it's in the workings we've got till midnight to do it I think it all relies a lot of it relies on buying buying um Palina as well doesn't it from from Fulham so there are pieces of the jigsaw there but the importance of Salah um to this team has highlighted wasn't it, on Sunday a lot of talk that he's going to be going here, he's going to be going there I mean the fact that he played often tells you that nothing's going on because he wouldn't he wouldn't be in the side would he but uh, the through ball for the second goal is just was just absolutely glorious one and and like we said earlier on in this pod, with the firepower we've got, uh, as Ella said, we're just a few little chess pieces away, aren't we? A couple of little players that can just galvanise in it. And, and with with those three, or well, that combination of the five, really, we can do a lot of damage this season, can't we? But Salah's is fundamental, isn't
0: he? He's irreplaceable. You can't you can't replace somebody like him. You, you know, you, you can go on about the stats, and the stats are unbelievable, but it's the presence on the pitch as well, isn't it? I just think he's the whole thing. He's got he contributes goals, he contributes assists, he makes defenders, they're worried when he's on the pitch because he's got that potential to just snap and just be like, pull something out of the bag. But I also think he's got that leadership role as well that you see all the videos that Lip Hill put on Instagram and Twitter and things like that. Like when Endo joins, you know, he goes in and just, just to say hello and it's, it's little things like that. He's got the whole package. I think he, he's absolutely irreplaceable and there's no way we're selling him. And you'd like to think as well, that he wouldn't want to leave you don't to to me personally if you've still got aspirations to win trophies to win Premier Leagues to win Champions Leagues next year when we're we're back in it um you know you want those players and you'd like to think that he's one of those players he wants these records he wants these trophies going to Saudi Arabia that's not it he earns a very very good wage as it is with us and you'd like to think he wouldn't want to go anyway and you know I think like you said with Going forward, like I'm, I'm perfectly happy with our players, and you know, if, like you said, if you just get those little covers, I'm happy with McAllister, Slobber, Sly. Can't say this lad's name, but this Gavin or whenever he comes in, you know that's another one there. You've also got can't say his name or bad bad or something like that. You've got him to come back in. I think he was brilliant. Tiago's there as well. So, you know, the pieces are starting to come together. I think maybe if you could, you know, get another cover at the, at the back, but. Like you said, we're not that far off and going forward, no problems. If those midfield players can start clicking and, you know, obviously they've not played together. So once they've had a good run of games together, they'll start understanding each other better. And yeah, I think people have wrote us off a lot. And I, as as Ella said, I don't think we're that, we're not that far off. And if we start clicking, who knows what could happen this season. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward a bit more than I was a couple of months ago when the transfer window opened.
1: Yeah, just to interrupt, Salah's gone. Just had an update. Money joke. Um,
0: <laughs>
1: not it, a think, chance. Not a chance. I mean, we got cases Jones as well. He was putting a shift in uh, towards the end of last season, wasn't he as well? I think Ella. If there's anywhere, when it because it looks like uh, Canate, who, who, who for me has been a monster so far. He's been. He, I think he's been solid. Uh, it looks like he's he's going to miss the Villa game as well. It's it's if we're going to be pinpointing anywhere, and we've had difficulty with transfer windows, we haven't handled them the best. Let's be honest with you. No. If Gravenberg comes, then then he looks like an exciting player. I Saw him. He played well. He, he made a hundred appearances for Ajax before he was twenty. This this, this the kid's got something. He played well against us as well a couple of seasons ago. He, he looks really controlled. Looks like a good player. It's that. It's the it's it's the back, isn't it? If we're gonna if we're gonna, yeah. we've already talked about how many chan- how many saves Allison's had to make him. Yeah. In three or four games. It's the back, and it's a left, and more importantly, a, a kind of a left-sided uh, centre back. That, 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 that there's, there's talking about um, hip, hip, hip Camk or something like that. We can't,
2: can't say any of the names. The <laughs> the fans,
1: I call Sloppy last Sloppy Stops because it's easier. It's so um, but we, but we, we definitely, if there's any cover as well that we can get before yeah. twelve, certainly. with Nat Phillips just going on a four-month inexplicably on um, a four-month loan to Celtic. It just looks like. That's that's somewhere we need to cover.
2: It's mad. I just I read the start. I think we've got the the smallest squads in, in the league at the moment. And we're in the Europa League. We're playing Thursday, Sunday. We need a few more bodies in. Do you know what I don't understand? I just don't understand why every season we constantly leave ourselves short, every transfer window. Like three out of our four centre backs, so Matup and Gomez and um Canarte, they're all injury prone. So we need to I don't. I can't see us bringing a centre back in now. It's we probably left it a bit late, but we needed to address it this summer. I just don't understand it. Like, so when we was on top, what we should have done is slowly rebuild the squad, so we didn't have so much to do these coming years. So since I think since Van Dijk, we've only bought one centre back in Canarte, and I'm not counting come back and Phil. Um, what's his name? Davis, as because they were just loans islands, but. Just, I just don't understand why we always leave ourselves short because we've had all these years with Klopp and I don't know if it is Klopp or FSG or a bit of both of them. And sometimes I always hear like the journalists saying, oh, we're waiting for the right player, we're waiting for the right player. But obviously there's players out there that can improve us in defence, even if it's another player that won't be playing every week. But we have these injury-prone players and it, just, it is worrying. So I was seeing like... Man City won the treble last year. They lost Gundawan, Marez, Laporte. They brought in another name, and I can't say Gua- Guavi- Guaviol, Dojo, Kovacic, Co- and the sign of Nunes. Obviously, I'm not saying we want to spend the amount of money that Man City spend, but I'm just saying, like, they've all, we've lost our Fabinho, our Fabinho. We've lost Fabinho, basically, and we've only brought in, I'm being sly, could come good, but we've only brought in Enzo, which at the start of the window, we were going for Lavia. And those what, a 30-year-old player, which FSG don't usually buy players like that. But I don't think, in in my head, I don't think he's the answer. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not being inside. I don't want to write him off too soon. But I thought we'd go for somewhat... I thought we'd go for a proven six. Obviously, we went for Lavia and he ends up choosing Chelsea because we messed him around too much. But it just shows the that, I don't know, we're just... Just a bit mad at Liverpool at the moment I can't really put my finger on what's going on Behind the scenes But I don't think this Sporting director who lives in Ibiza Is going to get kept on anyway
1: (laughs) Well uh, I mean there was a rumour coming out How true it is that they missed out on They could have got Andre The guy from Fluminense Mm. Uh, They could have have got him on a a release clause in his contract but, but our sporting director Was in Disneyland and didn't read the text I don't know how true that is (laughs) <laughs> but it would not surprise me at all. It would
2: not surprise me because I yeah. think he's only he's only done two release clauses and so far, hasn't he? And every other deal is the Casado one. I actually can't blame him for that, but the Lavia one, um, he he's good at doing release clauses, but obviously didn't answer for Andre when he was in Disneyland by the looks of it.
1: I mean, he's probably he's probably like still three hours away from the ride when he, you know, so <laughs> here you're still three hours away. Um Bellingham's just become one. He's just become the first English player to win the Bundesliga Player of the Month or something mad. Just to rub the salt in even deeper. Bundesliga. Um, La Liga. Oh, even, you, sorry, La yeah,
2: Liga. Sorry. <laughs> Going to say is he still at Dortmund?
1: Yeah, he's still. But well,
2: he's at <laughs> like, him? Well, Ed, um, it,
1: it, it's a it's a funny one, isn't it? I mean, Liverpool. Ella's just mentioned it. We don't know who who who's to play. I know. Quote. I know. Klopp has been quoted. In the past, saying that he doesn't like big squads, he doesn't like buying players and putting them on benches. He likes players to play, and it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because there's got to be a bit of both to it, hasn't it? Because, as Ellis just said, the stats speak for themselves. We've we've left ourselves short over the last three or four transfer windows to the point where we've it's really hinted, it hindered our progress. Now it looks like we're doing it again, and he must be accountable at some level, mustn't he? Because we can't keep up with the cities. No, I mean, part of me doesn't really want to. They just, they just, there doesn't seem to be any loyalty. with them. they just get rid of players left, right, and centre. Even the academy players, they want to fling out. And I can understand where Klopp means that he wants people to to play, and he doesn't want them to bench. But you've got to have a squad, haven't you? And if we don't sign a defender, as some backup defender, defender by the end of well, by midnight, in it? it's a bit of a Cinderella one, isn't it? Um, then we're gonna be we're, we're gonna be looking through our fingers again for the rest of the season. There has to be some accountability somewhere. shouldn't it, clock? Yeah, I, I,
3: I usually stick up for them when it comes to sort of this this argument that they've left left us short in the transfer window. But this would be by far and away the most frustrating one because I think it's so clear. Everybody knows what they now need. If this if if Gravenberch is coming in, and it's looking like he might be having a medical maybe tonight when we're recording this. By the time this goes out, it might be a Liverpool player, but everybody knows that they need a centre-back in addition to that. And I'm just hoping that they've not got Endo in with the idea that because I think he actually, in the Bundesliga last year, he actually played more as a centre-back than as a defensive midfielder. So I'm hoping they're not just thinking, they can sort of cheap out and, and and play endo there because I mean, a I think he what is he like five nine five ten? So I'm not having him in at centre back at all. I mean, we've seen how that's gone with um, the butcher over at United, and I think <laughs> he's he is rubbish, isn't it? Let's be honest. Um, I, I, I'm just, I'm not having endo at centre back. So every everyone knows that that is what they they now need to go and do, and it's. Are are they going to do it? But probably not. They've they've left themselves too little time because they've dilly dallied over getting a six in this entire time ever since Fabinho and Henderson sort of sort of left. But yeah, it it is going to be for me the most frustrating case of them leaving it leaving a short because everyone says that there's the someone they want to chew them any they got left short. But I think that was that was a case of did we really need a midfielder that desperately. We, we, we weren't doing too bad in the midfield department and, and they, they pinpointed many as the, the one they wanted. He chose Madrid, which, fair enough, uh, some people are going to do that. And, and Klopp said, right, well, uh, we've not got my man, so we'll, we'll just let it go. That one, I think, was a bit forgivable because of the season they'd had before. But, I mean, th- this time around, if if they don't go and sign a centre-back and then we see any more injury... You know, if Canate gets injured for any any serious amount of time, and then Matip has to play there, Gomez has to play there. Both of them are injury prone. We know that already. So that, that I think they are taking a, a, a really big gamble if, if these are the centre back options that they're going into the season with.
1: Well, it won't be the first time they've done it. So that's the, that's a disappointing thing about it. I, I, just as we're closing up the uh, this episode, uh, forty as we said before, forty million euro fee has been agreed with uh, Bayern Munich for Ryan Gravenberg. Uh He's flying for the medical, will undergo undergo medical and sign a five year deal. Should there be no issues? No issues? Oh, you're joking, aren't you? We can't do without no issues, can we? All right, Kayleigh, uh, Ella and Ed, first of all, just before we go, thank you for this. I've, I've enjoyed it. I mean, I'm no piece of rooting, but I, I can have a go. Um, what do you fancy for uh, Aston Villa at home on Sunday? Now a galvanised team, the Rock Wilder up front. I'm trying to get that to stick. It probably won't. But if we get Nunes in there, um, you do fancy uh, Villa, another another uh, strong team. But at Anfield, uh, what what are your chances? What are our chances, Kaylee? Yeah, I think we're going
0: to win every single game. <laughs> that's always the way that I Over go with every game. Why would you not, though? You want to win every game, and especially at home. No, I do. I, that's always my thing. I, I never think we're going to lose. But, um, no, I, I I was... Yeah, no, I think I'm going to go... I'm terrible with these. If I was good at these, I'd have a lot more money. I'm going to <laughs> go 3, three one to us. Uh,
1: OK, 3-1. It's funny, isn't it? The, the, it's it's hard to get a nil at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. So, <laughs> <we're, laughs> Even if so a goal can win, it has to be one. It feels like it's going to be one down our end. Ella, 3 1. Kaylee's thrown in the ass. What you fancy?
2: I was going to say 3 1 as well. Darwin, Nunes, Hattrach. He's <laughs> going to score all goals in front of the car. Yeah,
1: I love it. I love it. I love it. Ed.
3: Yeah, I'm going to go for 4-1 and, and Liverpool to actually finish the game with the 11 men, hopefully.
1: Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> That's a good start. All right, I'm going to go for... I'm gonna probably going to go for 3-1 as well. I think it seems like it. Well, hopefully, we'll get to the situation where we can throw a nil in for us. But um, just a win A win is good. And and, and hopefully, the upsides now and that galvanised thing that we had there in Newcastle, we can go on from. Ella Hooten, Kayleigh Brand and Ed Kay. Thank you very much, my friends. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Did you enjoy it?
2: Yeah, always. thank you. Very good.
1: Always, always, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Uh, always <laughs> good to talk about the Reds. Uh, so let's the Flying Dutchman is on his way over. Let's hope he can add a bit of steel to the midfield, and Enzo can grow about four inches uh, <laughs> and get in that centre back position. Uh, this has been Neil Fitz, <laughs> Aley Larouche sitting in for Peter Houten and the lads, and I'll see you uh, all again soon and hopefully you tune into a Poetry in Motion and all the other podcasts as well. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, up the Reds.
0: You've been listening to the Ali La
2: Rouge podcast on the Blood Red channel.